Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys may stand up if you would with me, please. I want to let you guys know how excited that I am that you're here today. Thank you for being here on such a chilly morning. As Pastor said, you got to love Oklahoma. 70 degrees one day, 13 degrees the next, but it's okay. We're used to it. That's the reason why we have 47 coats in our closet. That, and some of you guys are shopaholics, but we'll blame it on the weather. Romans 12, chapters 1 and, or uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Today we're going to talk about the subject of showing up. Our whole sermon series here for the next four weeks is about you realizing that when you show up in whatever capacity that you show up in, that you make a difference. Have you ever wondered, does it even matter that I'm here? Does it even matter what I'm doing? I want to tell you, yes, it does. Amen? Today we're going to talk about service, and whenever we show up and we're ready to serve in the capacity that the Lord has told us to serve, whether it be at church, or whether it be in our family, or whether it be at our job, we are doing it to shine the light of Jesus Christ, amen? So it matters, it matters, a light in a dark world. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. We want to be in your will more than we want to be anything else. Speak to us this morning. Enlighten our spirits. Use me, I pray. And everyone says? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Wave at your neighbor. Let them know that they are glad that they're here. Thank you so much for streaming online with us. We love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, as we talk about service this morning, I know that there are several different reasons why people can and cannot be here, and we certainly don't want to bring any condemnation on people. That's not what we're here to do. But I do know that in life, at times, I'm wondering, God, what I am doing, does it make a difference? And we see this with celebrities and high-profile people all the time. They wonder, is what I'm doing, even though they have all the money in the bank, right? Although they have all of this status and this power, even they wonder, what I'm doing doesn't make a difference. Because we realize that all that stuff, you can have all that stuff and still not have that fulfillment, amen? But what you're doing matters. And Pastor Mike and myself and the board and everybody that's in leadership here at Ray of Hope wants to start out by saying thank you. Thank you for being in service. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for serving in your communities. Thank you for serving in this church. Thank you for serving your families. Because when you show up in service, you show up. And we want you to know that. We believe it. In the 17th century, century, Oliver Cromwell... It was a political and a military leader. And one of his men had done something, uh, had, done a, had done a crime. So he was going to hang him. And he came to that young man and he said, Young man, he said, you will be hung tomorrow when the bell in that bell tower rings. So the next morning came and everything was made in preparation. Cromwell was out there and he looked at the man that was pulling the rope, the big rope that was attached to the bell. And the man began to pull that rope as hard as he could, and the bell moved, but there was no sound from inside the bell. Cromwell said, pull it harder, so he pulled it 
harder, and still yet there was no sound inside the bell. He says, go up to the bell tower and see what is going on, frustrated and aggravated, as you can imagine Cromwell would be. The man goes up to the top of the tower. When he comes back down, he brings a woman and throws her in front of Cromwell. Cromwell says, what is this? And she goes, listen, I'm the fiancé of the man that you're about to kill. And what she had done is she had climbed up in the big bell tower and hung onto the clapper that swung from slide to side. And she hung onto that clapper. That way when the bell rang, there would be no noise that came from the bell. And as Cromwell was looking at her, he saw the bruises and the blood, and you can just imagine swinging from one side to the other. And he asked her, he said, why? Why would you do this? And very soft, softly she said, because it's what love does. Whenever we show up, we do what love does. Cromwell looked at that young lady and said, today your lover lives. See, whenever you and I show up in service, and I imagine some of you guys have probably took some pretty good beatings and bruises, haven't you? Yeah, emotionally and maybe even physically. And you know what this young lady to a degree went through, but whenever we show up, we don't know what we're about to do. It could be somebody's destiny on the line. Because we show up with the light of Christ and we begin to infuse them with the nature of Jesus Christ and they have hope and eternity, amen? So whenever we show up in our capacity, it's very great. If you help out in youth, you know that you might get smarted off to. You might get treated a little bad or talked to a certain way. You're up and down the kids' hall and you're in there with three and four-year-olds and they're running around and they're doing what they do and you're thinking, does it even matter? In the children's hall, you're wondering, does it matter when I shake people's hands? Does it matter when I go to my job and I've had the roughest week I've ever had, yet God convicts me and I show up with a smile on my face and Christ in my heart, hoping that somebody will collide with Christ today? Does it matter? Yes, it does. When you show up and you serve, it matters. Paul is writing here to his Roman friends, and and Rome was a bustling community. It it was much like ours, of course, without the advancements, but in that time, the technological advancements were great for that time period. And Paul is pleading to his friends, and I love what he starts out here in verse 1, chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We see that whenever we show up and serve, we see that it's a mark of salvation. Why would I say that it's a mark of salvation? Because we have Paul here. This is the Apostle Paul that's writing to his friends. And he's saying, listen, I beseech you, I appeal to you, I plead. In other areas of the Bible, we see Jesus say this, if you've never listened before, listen to this. Lend me your ears. Tune in to what I'm saying. I have mentors that are 30, 40, 50 years older than me. And on occasion, they'll look at me and say, Now listen, if you don't get anything else from this conversation, get this one thing. So we understand as we look at this that service is a mark of salvation. It's a mark of salvation. We also, as we continue to read, that you present your bodies or you give your bodies in service. So we know that what service is a choice. Ooh. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. Service is a choice. We can choose to serve or we can choose not to serve. We can also choose how we serve and to whom we serve. It's all through the Bible. 
We can choose this group of people or that group of people. We can do this person or that person. I can choose this attitude or that attitude. And sometimes I can allow the circumstances and the situation affect the life in which I serve. I can let it affect the attitude in which I serve with as well. But service is a choice. And Paul's saying, listen, you bring your bodies. And I love Paul. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not trying to get in somebody else's business. He is saying, listen, you are personally responsible for your choice to serve with Christ. And you know what? He says, by the mercies of God. Because if you've served Christ for very long, you know that sometimes I need a little bit of mercy. Not only for me, but the person that I'm about to punch. Uh, yeah. Like, don't laugh too loud because you might, you know. Don't point, okay? Mm-hmm. But sometimes we get that way because God will call us to do things that will stretch our capacity. He'll put ideas and, and, and dreams in our heart that we don't think we can accomplish and we'll be in the middle of it and be overwhelmed and we'll be right where God wants us to be because He gets the glory. And whenever we show up in that spirit and we decide that, God, I'm going to make the choice to serve you, I realize that showing up is showing up in the kingdom of God. Amen. I show up with that attitude. We also see from Scripture here that service is worship. Whenever I choose to show up and serve, it's, it, it's worship, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the kind that He finds acceptable. It's the truly a way to worship Him. It's your spiritual worship. And you have to love Paul here because he's talking about when we show up and we serve and our heart is in the right place and we do it the very best we can, it's like the incense that they would light in the temple and it would go up as a form of worship before God. It would fill his nostrils and it would be a pleasant, fragrant sense in his, in his nose. And that's what you and I do whenever we go into the community situation that we serve in, our job situation, our family situation, our church situation. And we say, today, I'll worship you, God. I'm here. I'm a living sacrifice. And what does it do? All of a sudden, it permeates through the heavens. Because worship is not worship is not a, a part of service. It's not just a piece of church. Worship is a lifestyle. I, I'm a living sacrifice. I bring myself to you. And I worship, and yes, we come in here and we get refueled and we do all the things that we do, but it's a holy and acceptable way to Him. Now, that's all well and good and fun to say, but it's not very natural, is it? How many of you guys are just natural servers? Oh, I take really good commands. Just tell me and I snap to attention. No, not one. All right, and I'm not raising my hand either. I'm pretty sure there's nobody on the other side of the camera raising their hand either. It's not very natural, is it? It's something that we expect resistance on. Now, we cannot blame it all on the devil. We have the world that influences us, and sometimes we have our flesh, which lets us not want to do some of the things that we want to do. You know, how many of you guys would have rather stayed in bed this morning? Yeah, it's warm in there. You know, God, you understand. And we, we have those times, but it's, that might be church this morning, but it might be a commitment that we're committed to, and then that day rolls around. You know, like the old saying goes, everybody's committed to Saturday morning until it's Saturday morning. Ooh, dagger. I understand. Me too. Me too. And, and we see that, and it's not natural. I want to do what I'm going to do, or this or that comes up. And I believe that James puts it so well. 
that it's, it's not always Satan. Sometimes it's us. And what I want to do this morning is fill our toolbox. So as we serve the Lord and temptations come up, we can say, no, I already know what the devil's trying to do. Now I just need to overcome. And how many of you guys from last Sunday learned we are more than a conqueror, amen? Yeah, we're not just a champion, we're the conqueror. I was in the kitchen the other day with my daughter. And my daughter says, Dad, I have the new word for the year. I said, okay. I said, what is it? She said, conquer. I said, okay. She was in service here with us. I said, well, I'm just going to find out whether she even knows what that means. I said, Callie, what does it mean to conquer? She goes, Dad, it means to defeat. It means you're going to make it through. I said, all right. You can be a conqueror then. (laughs) I wasn't going to let her get out cheap. But she told me about that. And last week we found out about that and we know that we can conquer things. We know that Satan is conquered and he's going to be tied up in the pit of hell one day. Right? We don't have to worry about that. But we know that we've got to be able to move against our flesh in the world. In James 4 and 7, submit, your, uh, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Romans 8, Paul is writing, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but who will walk according to the Spirit. And it shows us some principles that we can put in our life, that as God is calling us to do things, as He's calling us to serve in our communities, and if you can serve in any kind of capacity in our community, thank you a million times over. Beautifying the city matters, amen? Getting into organizations, into clubs matters. Thank you for serving the community. Thank you for serving in the school systems, in the medical fields, whatever advice or counseling or whatever it is that you do, thank you for serving in those capacities. But we realize that, that, that we can get very fleshly. And here in this, whenever God calls us to it, it says to resist Satan and to walk away from the flesh. Now, this is very important because we understand that Satan is our continual enemy. Amen? This is a real deal. It's not some figment of our imagination that somebody's created in a comic book. Satan's real, and he means to destroy us. And we're going through this, and the Scripture says, listen, you've got to resist him. That's the reason why the armor of God we put on the front, because we engage the enemy, and we resist the temptation to be lazy. We resist the temptation to quit. We resist the temptations that could take us out of that place of service. Amen? But it also says in Romans 8 that we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. That lets me know that I have to walk away from those fleshly desires. And we all know in baptism, whenever the old man goes under and the new man comes up, it represents that we die to ourselves and we raise into a new life. Amen? But what do we do at graves? We don't hang out by graves. Once that person's in the grave and the dirt is on them, we walk away from it. Amen? That's what we have to do to our flesh because we've said, listen, that's who I was, not who I am. That's where I was going. That's not where I am going. So we walk away from that. But we want to make sure that we realize that it's sometimes us. And we understand what Paul is talking about. We understand it. You're having that moment that you're being challenged to your core. And the inner man inside of you, the spiritual man, you're like, I know I don't need to do that. I'm okay. I can handle it. You can talk to me however you want to. Oh, that thing doesn't tempt me. That pleasure doesn't want me. And then all of a sudden inside of you, you have that voice moment. And it's that spiritual moment. And you're like, I can do it. Then all of a sudden, your flesh arrives on the scene. And it's like the Kool-Aid man busting through the wall. Oh, yeah. And that pleasure that you thought you had defeated... All of a sudden, oh yeah, 
And we understand that. And we understand how difficult and how hard that is. That's the reason why we differentiate between the world, Satan, and my flesh. But I'm a conqueror over all of them, amen. I can move forward and do what God has called me to do. And Paul shows us in some different ways that we're challenged and that we're tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, we see three forms in which Christ was tempted by. And we see that this is very natural, guys. What we're going to learn today as we go on this next little bit is, listen, whether you're Jesus, whether you're the Apostle John, whether you're the Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, whether you're one of us, guess what? We all get tempted. We all get tempted, and if you've ever been in ministry more than a year, you know that sometimes you resign on Sunday evening, and you go back to work on Monday, all right? And if you've ever done that, and you've taught Sunday school, and you've done those things, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have one of those jobs that causes you a lot of stress and people ungrateful, then your Friday you resign, Monday you go back to work, you know? And we do that, but it's temptation to do that, and it's very, very normal, and and. and Christ, now listen to me, Christ had just came out of this, or he's coming out of this 40-day fast. He's at the end of it. The Spirit leads him into the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's separating himself and, and, and pulling himself back. And what's happening is Christ is fixing to show up. Now, now, I already know that he was born on the earth and he's 30 and he's done a lot of things, but it's not until after the prayer and fasting, it's not until after one or two things happens that he begins his first miracle. You guys follow me? So this is a very, very critical time because he's about to show up on the scene and God's about to use him and really explode his ministry, okay? Now, I don't want to use that flippantly, but the first miracles are about to perform where he could walk into town and not a whole lot of people know him. He's about to be able to walk into town and people gather around him and push towards him because they realize who he is. But it all begins him showing up when nobody sees that he's showing up. He went to the wilderness alone. You know what that feels like. Praying for your loved one, praying for your job. God, does this even matter? Feels like I'm in the prayer room alone. When you're driving down the road and it captivates your thoughts and you're asking God what to do next, you're walking, whatever it is that you're doing, does it matter? Yes, it matters because God will see those things that we do in secret and he'll bring it out to the light. So when you show up, you show up. And he's tempted three different ways. He's tempted to turn stones into bread. And that's to get to the fleshly side of him. He knows that he's tired. He knows that he's been wore down. And Satan looks at him and says, Hey, why don't you just turn these stones to bread? I know you're hungry. Of course, Christ rebuttals in Scripture and says, No, he can't do that. And enduring any temptation, you go back to Scripture and you put Scripture against your flesh, against the world, and against the, uh, Satan, and you'll be fine. Amen? And that's what Jesus does here. The second thing that we see, we see this pride of, pride of life. He, he takes him up to a pinnacle and he says, won't you just jump off this thing and then your angels will come and, and rescue you before you ever hit the bottom. And what he was trying to say is, listen, you know who you are. You don't really need to do all this fasting and all this praying to prove anything. Just, just do it and, and make it all happen. And Christ said, no, he can't do it. Then the third temptation is the lust of the eyes. He brings him up to one of the tallest points. And he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, he says, Jesus, if you will just bow down to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. What was he saying? Let's do a shortcut here. Nobody sees it but just me and you. If you'll bow down, man, I'll give you all this stuff. Now, Satan's the father of lies, so that wasn't true. But we see that Jesus was tempted in this. And in Romans chapter 2... 
we see that Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 12, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Another scripture, 1 John 2, 16. We're going to concentrate on these two scriptures for a minute. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So we see this recount and replay again. So let's talk a little bit about this lust of the flesh. Paul talks about how we counteract that is do not be conformed to this world. What is he saying? Don't copy the customs of this world. Don't co copy the things and behaviors of this world. And listen, as you serve, you know that sometimes you feel like copying that just so you don't have to deal with the pressure against you. You have the temptation that if I do it this way, they'll get off my case and I will be more like them and then maybe I won't feel the pressure that I feel. Because you walk into your job situation, you walk into your family situation, whatever situation you serve in capacity and you feel that. But it's a temptation. God has you there and he wants you to do it his way. In Matthew 4 and 3, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Just go ahead and eat. The journey's too much for you. You can do it. You'll still be who you are. Just do what the world expects. 1 John 2 and, uh, 2 and 16 calls it this. It's the desires of the flesh. It's what we do in the moment to feel right. It's that e emotional decision. I'm just going just to make it. I'm going to break that commitment. You know that you were called to serve and you don't do it like you need to. It's like one of those times when we wake up in the morning and you know you need to be somewhere. And it's not your job, it's not any of that, it's something that you've committed to. And you're in bed and it's warm. Anybody have a warm bed? Yeah, and you're with Pastor Pillow. Feels so good. And you're with Sister Sheets. And then you have the great comforter and you just pull that over you. You're like, I have church in bed. That's fleshly. And we know that. But it does happen to us. It does happen to us and we break commitments that we shouldn't break. And the thing is, not only does people view you now as irresponsible, let's get real here, but at the same time, you're missing out on the opportunity that God's mercy is going to work through you. You never know what could hang in that destiny. You go and you do something, and you're there for somebody, and amazing things happen. And listen, we all deal with it. It's the lust of the flesh. I want to do it the way that's easiest. And then we see the lust of the eyes. And Paul addresses this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we can only see different when I think different. When I look at something and I begin to think about it different, then I begin to see it different. Whenever I begin to look at the world as God looks at the world, that one day there is an expiration date, that one day if people do not get their lives straight, that they have an expiration date, and they'll stand before Lord God Almighty. And it's not about the material things, it's not about the possessions, it's not about any of that. It's about a dying world that we get to reach, and I reach it through service, through my community, through my church, through my job, amen? And I think differently. But it's so easy to, to, to let the minds be molded by the world. And he's saying, listen, quit copying this behavior. Don't, don't do that. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, he begins to talk to him and says, and John's right, and he says, listen, this is the desires of the eyes. 
What it is, is it's a desire to take shortcuts. Jesus, it's just me and you. This is the devil speaking. If you bow down to me, nobody's going to know. And you can have all of this. You don't even have to die on a cross. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do the sacrifice that God has called you to do. You can take a shortcut on your assignment. And we all have it. And shortcuts on assignments always end up wrong. How many of you guys have ever been on a shortcut? How many wives in here has been on a shortcut from your husband? Yeah, I tell my wife that, and two hours later we arrive. I'm like, well, it's just a shortcut. Shortcuts never arrive us to the destination that we want to be. I was doing a, a listening to Bobby Bowden, one of his last interviews. He was, he's not, he was 91 years old. This guy won a national football championship in 93 and 99. He was a Florida State Seminoles guy. I mean, he was a program guy. Kind of what Stoops is to OU, Bowden was to Florida. The guy had 377 wins. He had 129 losses and four ties. And on one of his last interviews at 91 years old, they were asking him if there was something that you could leave for this younger generation, these younger athletes, these younger people, what would you tell them? And this is what he said, don't take shortcuts. If you want to be the fastest, you can't get there taking a shortcut. If you want to be the strongest, you can't get there taking a shortcut. And if we're going to do everything that God has called us to do, we can't take shortcuts. The modern translation of that is entitlement. And if I've ever seen a generation that struggles with commitment, I'm living in it. But that's okay, because part of the reason why we struggle with that is because we don't realize we're the conquerors that we found out that we are. We're not just conquerors of stuff, but we're conquerors of emotion. We're conquerors for Christ, amen? And that's what we get to do. And we get to conquer this lust of the eyes. And let me tell you something, guys. This activity bug that goes around in our, in our culture, it's a big deal. We find so many reasons to be out of church. We find so many reasons not to do devotions with family at night. And we justify it because I'm pouring into my kids here, or I'm doing that, or I'm with this person. Listen, that's extremely dangerous because we begin to conform our mindset to the world. And God said, no, listen, you are a separated people. That means you do things differently. That means you're going to have to say no when everybody else is saying yes. That means you're going to have to stand up when everybody else sat down. That means you're going to have to go when everybody chooses to stay. But that's okay because God is faithful whenever we're faithless, amen? Whenever worse week, he is strong and the devil will come to you and say I doesn't really matter about showing up in service you committed to that but this activity popped up last minute trust me they'll understand and then we justify that in our mind well God can use me here like you he can here yeah but you were committed here and you get to walk in blessing as you walk in your commitment. Now, we understand that there are things that change, so we don't want to be, you know, condemnation on anybody. We understand that. But so many times we can look up and say, God, I want to take a shortcut. And that temptation comes against us to take shortcuts in our family, to take shortcuts in our job, while the whole time the world is looking at us and making judgment calls and saying, if that's what a Christian is like, I don't know if I want to be a Christian. And God's life for us is so much better than that. And many times it's simply because we don't understand that we are what God says we are. That through Jesus Christ we can really defeat these things. Yeah. 
And since we know that when we show up, it becomes critical that we're there because God can use us because we show up with the light of Jesus Christ. We show up with the hope of Jesus Christ. We show up with the answers that people have been looking for. But unless somebody goes, how do they know? And I know we use that all the time all over the world, but sometimes unless somebody goes to that commitment that you've committed yourself to, there might not be anybody in the house that's a Christian outside of you. And it might not happen the first time or the second time, but you go and you build that bridge. Heavy stuff. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. The lust of the eyes. Don't take shortcuts. Don't say there's, we, we have to do it the way Christ. And then finally, this pride, the pride of life. And Paul talks about this, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. The pride so many times keeps us out of the will of God because our pride says, I'm going to do it my way. The theme song of hell. I did it my way. And here Paul's saying, listen, you've got to change the way that you think. You've got to go serve. And when you do that, you get into that good and acceptable will of God. The, the New Living Translation says this, then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And we see that whenever we act not out of pride and say, God, I don't feel like I need to go. Maybe I feel like something that he's called me to is beneath me. But I know that he still called me because when I show up in service, I show up. And just because he calls us to show up doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. I was at a store yesterday, or the day before yesterday, and my beautiful wife bought me a smoker for Christmas. Can we give her a round of applause for that? Yes. Now, not anything to smoke. Let's not get that, okay? Smoke. But she bought me a smoker where I can make meat on it. Okay, let's clarification. Clarification. And I was at the store buying some meat, getting excited about this smoker. And I'm driving out of the parking lot, and I remember, I clearly remember the person's face that I, I saw in the store as I walked by them. I'm driving out of the parking lot, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, I want you to go bless them with this, go do that. So I, I'm driving out of the parking lot. I have to turn around and go back into the parking lot. I get the blessing out, and I'm trying to find that person, and they're walking down the sidewalk. So now I have a choice because it's a choice to serve. It's amazing as preachers what God does in your life to teach you. So I'm running down the sidewalk, excuse me, hoping they don't call the police. You know? And I go up to them, and I give them the blessing, and I just walk off, and I say, God loves you, bless you. But it taught me. That just because he speaks to me doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. There is some stuff that I have to do. And it doesn't matter how big or how small. And this pride thing can get in the way of that. Jesus was tempted, throw yourself down. Prove who you are. Jesus didn't have to prove. He knew who he was. It's us that get confused about knowing who we are. Amen? I don't need a better life. I need a resurrected life. I was dead and now I'm alive. But my pride will keep that. And say, no, the old me was good enough. No, the old me is not good enough. Because God has got great plans for us. We're moving hope forward here. And we do that through our jobs, through the church, amen? We do that through our families. And the pride, the silly pride that we have, God, help me shove that to the side. John, 1 John 2 and 16 calls it the pride of life. And it makes so much sense whenever Jesus is in the garden before he gets, starts the whole crucifixion in the courts. A famous prayer that he prays, not my will, but yours be done. Because at the end of that, 
Scripture, it says the devil would come back for more opportune time. And that little prayer shows us, God, I want to stay in your will. I don't want to take a shortcut, and I really need your help. And it's not natural to do those things, but we put those in our toolbox because what God has you called for in your family, in your job, in your destiny is greater than you could ever imagine. It really is. Because we're talking about eternal significance. In verses 9 through 21 in chapter 12, Paul addresses it. He says, listen, you guys are going to have some spiritual gifts and you need to serve God and serve each other. And he talks about prayer and walking in the Holy Spirit and worship. And then I love the next, session, next section that he talks about. He says, listen, behave like a Christian. Isn't it funny how God can begin to use us <clears throat> and we can get puffed up a little bit? Yeah. We forget that it's not by my power. Yeah. It's not by my strength, but it's by the Lord's. Right. God begins to use us and we use our talents and our time for him and things begin to happen. And we've got to guard ourselves. And Paul even addresses that here where he says, listen, Behave like a Christian. Love genuinely. Show honor. Rejoice. Bless. Weep. Bring in peace. And I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. He's, he, in that little section there, he's going through all these wonderful things of the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers. And he says, listen, you can do all this in the ministry. And then right in the middle of that, right, right in, the, in the mix of that, he says, and go be a help. See, whenever we help, whenever we show up and we serve to Paul, it was equal to an apostle. It was equal to a prophet. It was equal to a pastor and evangelist. So don't belittle yourself. Don't think, no, God can't use me there. No, that's that pride that we're talking about. No matter how big or how small, if it's the right word at the right time, it really matters. Amen? Amen. And we fight that pride off. It's like that little girl was talking to her dad and said, Dad, I want to make a a difference. I want to... I want to walk in Christianity like I'm supposed to. And he said, baby, sometimes all you have to do is be there for people. Just be there and love them. One day she was walking home and from school and she saw this little girl on a sidewalk. And this little girl was crying, big tears coming down because she had lost her doll. She goes home and tells her dad, she said, I got, the, got to help a little girl today. This little girl was sitting on the sidewalk, big tears running down her face, and she had lost her doll. And the dad looked at his daughter and said, well, what did you do? She goes, I didn't know what else to do. I just sat down and cried with her. And sometimes that's as easy as it is. I'm going to love genuinely. Your hurts are my hurts. Let's do this together. I'm here to serve. But whenever we serve and we do it on God's behalf, we find a great fulfillment. And these are the last three things, and we're laying in the bird here. We find fulfillment. There's a great story of a professor that's wanting to touch his class and teach them, and teach them experiences. So he walks in the day, and he says, listen, up here on the ceiling, we have all these balloons, and your names are on the balloon. Each one of them got a dilly yarn. And he said, your object is to get the balloon down with your name on it, tie it to the yarn, and whoever has the, and whenever you get that, in two minutes, you win the game. This timer started, Man, kids were going everywhere. They were climbing over each other. They were talking bad to each other. They were knocking each other down trying to get all these balloons. And at the end of the two minutes, like a third of them came up with their balloons. The professor took his kids into the next class and said, now we're going to do something different. He said, each one of these balloons up in the ceiling has your name on them. But instead of you going after your own, I want you to go after your neighbors and help them. The timer started 
At the end, people were talking nice to one another. People were trying to help one another. People were being kind. And 75% of the class had the balloons in their hands that they needed. And he said, guys, whenever you're trying to find your own happiness and that's it, it'll never get you to where you're going to get. But if you'll help somebody else find theirs too and serve them, you get there as well. And whenever we serve like Christ is, we find that fulfillment. In verse 19 of chapter 12, we see that God repays. And he says that vengeance is mine. And I love this part of the scripture that he talks about because he goes through this and says, listen, we work, we work, we show up, we do these things. And sometimes we get hurt, don't we? People don't respond like we think they're going to respond. They don't act like we want them to act. And we have to remember that we don't get to take that out on the vengeance is the Lord's. But what's the twist in that? The positive thing is that he'll heal my wounds too. Because if he repays, he repays. And if you're struggling with being aggravated, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, if you have some open wounds, if you'll serve in the name of Christ, you will begin to see those wounds be healed. Because he repays. And the good news is all I have to do is look forward and do the very best that I can to serve Christ and not worry about what's behind me. God said, I'll take care of that. And in the very last verse there, verse 21 of Romans chapter 12, he says, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's the last promise that we know that we can walk in, that good wins. That if I will walk in good, it will overcome evil. Whenever you walk into your job and you walk into your family, you serve here at church and you do it in the name of Jesus Christ. You do it being powered by the Holy Spirit, totally reliant upon Him. You bring good. Have you ever looked at the world and said, God, it's just getting more evil and more evil and more evil. What do I do? Well, according to Scripture, we serve in the name of Jesus Christ. And that breaks that evil. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says... So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the greatest is love. And I love how Paul ends Corinthians 13, the love chapter, going back to what we just talked about. Faith, hope, and love. I have to have faith that he's brought me this far. He's not going to bail on me. I have hope that whatever I've lost, it's going to be okay because he's going to reinstate it. And I do it in love. Because I know that love is what breaks down walls and breaks down barriers. Some of you guys are in here maybe because somebody invited you. Some of you guys that are listening, you're listening because somebody said, hey, listen to this podcast or listen to this broadcast. And it brought down some walls and they did it in love. And one of the first great things that we can always do is respond to that love and say, Christ, I realize that you're trying to do something in my life. But for many of us, if you have hurts and you have wounds... Get back in the game. You're more than a conqueror. God will take you through that. And for the ones who are serving, thank you so much. You make a difference in what you're doing. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.